0: What is up, everybody? Yoni, how are you doing today, my friend? This was one of the best ones we ever had. I don't want to say the best.
1: It could be the best, honestly.
0: It, I mean, if you are trying to learn about short-term rentals, how to scale quickly, and the way that you scale quickly is after your first short-term rental, never using a dime of your own cash ever again, then this is the podcast for you because it will be number one on your list because it was literally a class. I mean, I was asking him personal questions because I was trying to figure it out because I'm trying to figure out how to use OPM. And so it was a masterclass on how to structure your, you know, entities, how to structure your deals, how to make sure that you are protecting your investors and how to make sure that you're giving them phenomenal returns. And so like literally the the key that unlocks everybody's growth in my opinion in real estate and I've heard so many people say it is that you you are uh slowed down by your ability to buy. And so if you don't have enough Capital of your own, you have to use other people's, and once you use other people's, it's like dumping gasoline on the fire. So it was, it was an amazing podcast, man.
1: For those that find uh raising money or using other people's money scary, this one will demystify it and make it very simple for you. And if you want to listen to an all-around great father, great husband, highly ethical, and really all-around cool dude, that's one of the main reasons why we really love this. It was talking to really honestly, you could tell. From the outside, the inside, this guy had it all. He has the it factor.
0: He sure does, man. Yeah, he he's not only a phenomenal businessman, but I would say first and foremost, he would say it himself. He's a family man, and that's why he's doing all this, and that's why I think we had such a good podcast. We could tell he's a good, good dude, and we had a lot of fun with it.
1: He's, he's excellent. All right, cool. Let's take it away. Uh, let's do it.
0: What is up, everybody? We have our new friend here, Fawad. He is a short-term rental investor in the Scottsdale, Arizona, California, and now soon or Kissimmee Market. I was gonna say soon to be, but it sounds like they already closed the one. So Fawad, can you introduce yourself? Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. So humbled uh to be here. Always love being able to jump on. Chop it up, have a bunch of fun with friends, and then also add value wherever I can too. So, uh, former banker, 21 year uh, career in banking. I, uh, you know, I call myself a recovering banker. Um, so <laughs> I, was the, I was on the consulting side there, and uh, I left corporate in 2019 to get a little entrepreneurial. My wife is an attorney; has her own law firm. So we were at a point where her, you know, she was doing really well, and I could, I could kind of be, you know, for a while it was I was the stable one, she was a risky one. And then and then we got to a point where she was very stable, so I could go be risky. Um, so got into a couple of businesses, COVID turned us left, and then and then you know, for a lot of reasons, found myself in short-term rentals. And short-term rentals is just it's it's all I'll do for the rest of my life. I love real estate, I love um, I love building relationships with people, and I
1: get to do that with my guests. Um, all of that. So yeah. So that's amazing, Vlad. Um, so one thing I'm really curious about. There's a, there's a lot here I want to unpack. We want to talk about your properties. We want to talk about your philosophy. But something that hit me personally um, as you were talking is it sounds like you have a very unique relationship with your wife. Can you tell the audience and and us how you make that work? It sounds like you're 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 toggling like a bicycle um, the entrepreneurial route together, and it's very admirable. And I'd love to learn a little bit about that.
2: I love that. We're so passionate about this part of our life, by the way. So, you know, I think historically is, you know, you guys probably around my age, I'm 40, growing up, it was always, you know, historically, what was what was, you know, the, the man had his role, the woman had a role, and that was just what it was in life, right. And, and we know that that's just not reality anymore, women have become more independent, women are 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 doing great things in the corporate world and entrepreneurial world. And um, I'm certainly very supportive of that. And my wife has always been, you know, since the day I met her, she, there was no question about what she wanted to do. She wanted to be an attorney, right? And so, you know, what 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 we do is we approach life just like our business. Our life is a partnership and we know we have X goals and we, we've got to accomplish those goals. Those are our objectives. We have our daily objectives, our annual objectives, whatever it might be. And, you know, it doesn't matter who does what for us. It's the boxes have to get checked. We don't care who scores the points. We don't care who gets the assists. We don't care about any of that. None of that matters. Um, what matters to us is that our kids are taken care of, that our goals are are are, are being met, and where are the the growth that we want is being attained. And that's that's you know that that at its core has made us you know best friends, um, great business partners, and uh, and 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 and, a, and great husband and wife together too. So.
0: That's, awesome. That's amazing, man. I love that. Yeah, my my wife and I, we we work together on our Airbnbs as well. We do medium-term rentals for the most part, but we're getting into the short-term rental space. And uh, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, a tricky thing whenever you're working with a spouse, but you have to figure yeah. out kind of who wants to do what and who's really good at what. And then uh, I've I found that I, I like to micromanage a little bit, so I have to keep myself in check and make sure that I'm letting her do her thing, which is good because I can't design anything to save my life, and she can make <laughs> anything look beautiful. So it, it's nice that we can kind of, you know, Step into our own separate roles, no doubt. Love that,
2: yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, guys, we, 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 you, you've got your financial, you've got your fitness, you've got your family. These are the, the the core principles in life, right? And and what we know is they're not always all going up and to the right. Some days are bad days, and that's okay. Everybody has them. You know, so if I might have a good fitness day, I might have a bad financial day. If I have a good financial day, I might have a bad family day. And you know, and 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 what's important is that we've always got each other's back, and that you know we're all pushing forward at least one percent every day as hard as we can. And so typically, if I'm if I'm struggling on the financial side, she's able to push us a little bit. If I you know if I'm if I'm doing really well on the fitness side, I can bring her along with me. And and you know, it's just it's a team. You got it's a team.
0: Bottom line. That's awesome. Yeah, love that. Uh, I remember Brandon Turner, he said something really, really uh, good that struck me one time. He was saying that, you know, uh, it was similar to that, like faith, family, fitness. Uh, and then uh, I think there's a couple other things. And he was like, you know, you're, you're juggling all of these balls up in the air and all of the balls are made of rubber except for family. And he was like, if that one that one's made of glass. And if you drop that one, that one shatters and that makes a big impact. He's like most of the other ones you can drop and then pick back up. But the the family one is important. So yeah, I love that, man. That's interesting. Never heard that. That's awesome. I'm going to use that. I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> love that. So uh, take us back. You said it was around the COVID uh, era, which is kind of a, a trending theme so far with our guests that we've been having. And so got into investing around COVID time. What was kind of that first investment that you got into? Can you break that down for us?
2: Yeah, so our, our very first short-term rental was our Huntington Beach house. Um, and, and we got into it for a lot of reasons, right? So COVID took my other businesses to the left. And 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 for a long time, I knew at some point I wanted to do a short-term rental. We'd been traveling with short-term rentals since our kids were babies. Um, and what happened is my daughter, who's now four, we found out when she was one that she has severe nut allergies. And... The best food allergist in the world is in Long Beach, California. We're in Detroit, Michigan. And so we got her into the program. They take her blood work and then they custom the program based on her blood work, what she needs. Right. And so her, you know, her plan was for the next about five years, we would need to be there every two months. And so, you know, just being a banker, finance guy, start doing the numbers. And like, that's going to cost me about 50K over the course of five, four years going, just staying and renting, a, whether it's a hotel room or an Airbnb in California. So I'm just going to buy one in Huntington Beach and we're going to get into the short term rental space. We'll throw out an Airbnb when we're not using it. And so it started there and, um, you know, quickly, quickly spawned to getting two under contract in Scottsdale. Now we have five in Scottsdale the one in Huntington beach and then the two in Orlando and just kind of sky's the limit. So, um, you know, I've got a great team in place who, not how I don't use much technology. I use my team. I've got a great virtual assistant. all of that. And, and so everything is very automated. I would say on the homes that are live in our portfolio, I probably spend about one or two hours a week combined on those homes. And the rest of my time is spent on building relationships, raising capital,
1: finding deals okay so there's a couple things strings that i want that we're probably going to pull from here but it sounds like you're a very uh it sounds like you're somewhat uh you're very self-motivated and based on that bookshelf self-taught so i want to hear a little bit about your systems i use va's um like i use a va for va's run my life okay like on the personal and on the professional side, on the fetch it side and on our development side, which we can talk about offline. But I want to hear a little bit of your philosophy on systems and VAs and why you think that's important. And, and just bookmark note that you came from the corporate world, which I don't think is using VAs really ever. It's a very entrepreneurial thing. So I want to hear why you think why it resonates so much with you and in your system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, coming from a consulting background, one thing I know is the more you layer technology over technology over technology, the worse you get off, but not the better, right? And so if you get into the short-term rental space and you start to learn, what what you find is everybody wants you to buy this software and subscribe to that and do this and bring that in and integrate this and then API that and channel this and all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, guys, like, and then, and then they're all complaining about an Airbnb bus, and they're wondering why they can't get their occupancy rate up, and they can't get any bookings, and they can't find themselves faster than the fifth page of the search results. And it's like, because you guys have all this technology that's layered into each other. So not only are you fighting the, the, the algorithm of Airbnb and VRBO, but now you're fighting the algorithm of your property management channel, and you're integrating that into the algorithm of the Airbnb. And then you're fighting the algorithm on Price Labs, and you're bringing that in and so for me, I just said rather than give away all of our money, all of our gross revenue that we're bringing in, paying for all these subscriptions and complicating our integrations, let's keep everything very plain and vanilla. We're directly listed on Airbnb and VRBO, no property management software, nothing. I've got a team; mm. they handle all of our kind of like our onboarding, our guest onboarding, right? So we get a booking. They then get the rental agreements out. They get the the bookings handled. They get the guidebooks, customized and sent over to the guests, you know, we we get them checked in on time, we, they communicate with my guests for me and everything. Um, I like to, I still like to do the check-in phone call with my guests. Um, and I like to do that because it's our way to really hammer home and and build that relationship, which is then going to be able to open the door for me to offer them coming back to us direct after they check out, right? So that's kind of our system. It's pretty simple. Um, I think Airbnb and VRBO have all the tools right within them that you need. They have smart pricing. They have their versions of dynamic pricing tools. They're not the most elaborate or robust dynamic pricing tools, but they're enough. And so we use them. We got no issues getting our properties booked. We got no issues. As a matter of fact, we're up in our pricing right now forty percent year over year relative to last year. Hell yeah! Um, so we're you know you know I I I I find it to be actually. I don't want to call it easy, but but pretty straightforward in, in, in the best way to manage and 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 streamline this.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I think you're probably the only Airbnb investor I've ever talked to that has, you know, any sort of level of scale that's not using some sort of a property management software. That's super interesting. So how do you make sure that you have enough like checks and balances in place in case like, you know, one of your cornerstone VAs decides that they're leaving or something like that? How are you making sure that you're spreading out your risk a little bit. Yep. There's a a plus one philosophy I have. So if I
2: need two VAs, I hire three. If I need three, I hire four. Um, So always have one extra in the bank that's trained and ready to go. So if I ever lose one, I'm actually at my optimal number. I can go get one extra one, train that one. So I'm always training
0: them proactively rather than reactively. That's awesome. Gotcha. That's so smart. That's so smart. And then, uh, you touched on the, uh, raising capital side of things, which is something that, uh, Yonatan and I are kind of, uh, dipping our toes into because we're looking at doing some uh developments kind of out in your neck of the woods with well not not Detroit but uh your first property out towards the uh, Malibu area. And so can you touch on raising capital? How you've gone on about that? Cuz I mean you were a banker, so you're at least familiar with the financial yeah. side of things. But um how does that look? How are you structuring partnerships cuz that's always something that people are very interested in cuz they might be able to get, you know, one Airbnb or maybe two under their belt, but then they're tapped out with their DTI or they just don't have the capital. So then they need to bring on a financial Financial partner or private money or something like that to be able to move the ball forward. So how have you done that?
2: Yeah. So two things I, I'll, I'll lead with on that, right? What are the three sexiest letters in real estate?
1: Do you guys know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but my brain just thinks cash flow, but yep. I'll shut up. Letters.
2: <laughs> OPM, other people's money. Ah. Right? Um, uh, so it's you know, yep. my mentor said to me. It's really easy in real estate to run out of your own money, but you can never run out of other people's money. And so for me, that was a real quick kind of slap in the face that after I bought that one in Huntington Beach, I'm never using my own money again. So we raise money. That's what we do. We bring in other partners. We we I find a deal, go get the money they do the down payment we finance as much as we can so it's typically 20 to 25% down payment we finance as much as we can and then the investor is also doing the furnishings and all of that we're 50-50 on the property 50-50 on the net uh revenue uh out of the out of the re- the rental income i get a 15% uh management fee of course of the gross and then uh you know cash you know tax advantages appreciation all that it's all 50-50 and so you know i early on when i would pitch this you know it, it took me a little while to refine my pitch but early on i would always get the question well how come you're getting 50 percent if i'm putting all the money up and the reality is you're not putting all the money up the reality is as an investor you're putting in 20 to 25 percent of the money the other 75 or 80 percent is actually paid off by my work
1: um and mm. so that's- can i can i ask you something that first property i want to get like super specific with you because i'm in the we're david and i are a little bit earlier in our journey of real estate um investing and we could learn from it and probably our listeners are similar to us but that first property you did you put up your own money that was critical because you had a proof of concept and you could show opm people you're like you're like look I actually put my money where my mouth is and I got it. Like right now I'm doing um, a, on a 21 acre development, I'm doing a double A frame. And the the Malibu one is another one we're looking at, but the the double A frame is, is like family money, my money, like, you know what I mean? And it, yep. it, I realize that once that thing is live and, and clicking, the OPM is unlocked. So it, I feel like, can you talk a little bit how you think the OPM was unlocked after you put your own skin in the game on the first deal. Yeah, you would never do it ever again. But can you talk a little bit about how that unlocked the big door for you? Because yeah. that's what my impression is. And I feel like that would be sorry, I'm very passionate about this. No,
2: I, I'm with you, brother. I am too. And it, I'll tell you, you know, what it really did is it, it, it allowed me to really tell the story of short term rental, right? And there are a lot of stigmas around short term rental. And so being I have gone down the path um, and, and having gone through the process of getting permitted, getting up, you know, going through the application process, closing on a home, getting it launched, getting guests in there, getting turned over, building a team, all that other stuff. That's really what it allowed me to speak to in, in the space. Um, I actually don't think it's very hard to raise capital in the real estate space for a few reasons. One, um, there's a lot of private money sitting on the sidelines and all of it wants to be in assets. But two, it, it, it's very different when you're asking somebody to come invest in real estate with you relative to like, let's go start a restaurant together, right? If we're starting a restaurant together, we have to buy inventory, we have to buy equipment, we have to furnish a place, we have to do all this stuff. And then if it flops, then we've got to try to liquidate all that stuff. We're probably only going to get 50 cents on the dollar, all that stuff that we have to buy, and we're going to take a bath in it, right? On the real estate side, it's not like that. I mean, we are we are buying assets and we are getting into asset-backed investments. I mean, that, that's just what we're doing, right? So it makes it very simple to sell because anybody that understands real estate, it's like, hey, your money is actually backed by the real estate. Our fail-proof, our fail-proof kind of security blanket is that, let's say this thing, let's say the data led me wrong and this thing is going to flop as an Airbnb. Guess what? The data also says if I shift this thing to a long-term rental, it's going to cover all my costs. And so we have no risk. We are relatively risk-free just buying an asset. If we had to shift and put a long term rental in there, then we can decide do we keep the asset or do we sell the asset at this point? We're not gonna lose money owning real estate. I think we all know that. Um, so you know, that to me is is was kind of the 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 you know. Getting that first one just really set in motion for me that I knew this is what I wanted. And once it lit that fire, once it drove that passion, it was over. I mean, this this is where I knew it was going.
0: So yeah, so. everybody always mentions that once you like once you finally unlock the key of OPM, you can just it's just you know off to the races, gas is on the fire, and that's kind of been uh, the situation that we've been in because I I I was uh, in healthcare prior to uh, getting into the short, uh, the Airbnb game, short term rental, medium term rental game, and I worked with a lot of physicians and these physicians they've been wanting to you know get into the investing game, but they're very you know risk averse and hesitant because they're always afraid of getting sued, and uh, so how did you approach approach that first investor and if you don't mind sharing like was it a friend was it a family member was it a person that you met somewhere conferences etc um, how are you finding these investors that are interested in investing with you in these properties and 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 and
1: to to double up on that question has that strategy from when you started raising money evolved as you've compounded relationships have the relationships changed where you met them how you yeah. met them so like really teach us teach the audience
2: yeah, no doubt. So first two were family and friends. I mean, that was that was really simple. You know, it was a I wanted to help them. You know, if you if, you know, I'm I'm a family driven individual. So if I can help family come along and you know invest, I'm gonna help that. that. That that's my priority. So I did that, and um, I I've got into some real estate masterminds, and the the more I've the more the, the deeper I've gotten into these masterminds, I've built some really really good relationships, and I've learned a lot and what i learned is what i will tell you each each time i attend a mastermind one of our events i almost kind of like uh and and by the way my coach told me from the very beginning he said your structure sucks you're giving away too much because the structure i told you that i do now that's not how it was before i was giving a lot more of the cash flow away early on until my investor got their money back and then it would flip back in my favor Um, and, and my, my, my coach told me from the beginning, don't do that. I get why you're doing it because you're, you're, you're newer and you have to prove yourself. Don't do it. There's enough money out there that'll invest anyways. Right. Um, and so he was absolutely right. So after I got a couple down with my, with my family and I started to meet all these people that helped me kind of get my structure where it is now, there was one thing that I had to get rid of in my, in my own baggage. And it was, I'm very conservative when it comes to using other people's money, because I wanted to make sure that every deal I brought to the table, I wanted to make sure it was a home run and where I was wrong about that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Believe me, we all, we all want to hit a home run, right? But what 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 some of the, these my peers in these masterminds helped me understand is not everything has to be a home run. And there's guys in this room that want to do business and want to give you their money. And you're making them wait because you're underwriting and underwriting and underwriting, waiting for the home run. And this this particular guy who who invested, you know, gentleman who who's now a great friend of mine, he invented he he invested in the first one that I did in uh, Kissimmee, and he said to me, "I told you six months ago I wanted to do a deal with you. You've underwritten about 500 deals, and you've brought me none. <laughs> I'm a veteran real estate inv- investor." Go get me a double. And it was like the light bulb went off in my head that I went about this all wrong. I went about this all by my expectations of what I could deliver, as opposed to understanding what my investor wanted and starting with the end in mind. And kind of having that freedom now in my brain, what it's allowed me to do is. Now, as I talk to investors that are interested, I get to know what they want and what their expectations are, right? So, you might have one guy that really is big on cash flow, and then you might have another guy that's just really big on tax savings. So, really getting to the point and understanding what your investor wants, you can then start drawing out on your chart. You know, I got my home run bucket, I got my triple bucket, my double bucket, and my single bucket. And every time I meet an investor, now I put them in one of those buckets, depending on where they what, what fits them. Now, Every time I underwrite a deal, it fits in one of those buckets. I just have to go see if I have the right investor for it. So I, you know, whereas I was finding one for every five, you know, one property in every 500 that I underwrote. Now I can find 100 for every 500 that I underwrite because they all belong in a bucket.
0: Love that, man. Yeah. So then the, uh, like the, uh, the next question that almost everybody asks, including myself, and I, I even like, I've talked to multiple people about this, but it's like a mental block for me is how do you structure the entities with, you know, I, I, For the most part, whenever I've heard from people, you just do, you know, a 50 50 partnership with an LLC. The LLC, you know, then uh, all the money passes through there and then the income passes to, you know, whoever, however you have the deal structured. And then taxes go on to, you know, each individual person at whatever their tax rate is. But for whatever reason, I still have a mental block with, you know, just, I, I think I just need to do a deal with somebody so that I understand it a little bit better. Would you mind touching on how you'd structure some of your deals in the past? Yeah, no doubt. So
2: every every home is its own LLC. So Crescent Retreats, this logo here, this is our brand. Um, this is what we use as our marketing platform. But just like Airbnb doesn't own any real estate, either does um, uh, Crescent Retreats. So each home is its own LLC. And you know, so take LLC A, revenue comes in. You know, we pay all of our expenses. Everything happens out of that LLC. And at the end of the year, we then have a K one that goes to each of the investors. So typically what we do is I have my own entity and my investor will have their own entity and each of those entities will be the members on the in, on the actual purchasing entity right so if we're buying 123 you know Jonathan drive um then 123 Jonathan drive llc is probably going to be the name of the llc that we form that's going to create or going to going to purchase that property then i have my own llc and then my investor will have their own LLC. They're both members of that purchasing LLC. So we'll be 50-50 on it. And so one, two, three, Jonathan Drive at the end of the year, LLC will have a K1 that goes to my entity and a K1 that goes to my investor's entity. And that, that K1 is all encompassing of the revenue, the profit, you know, well, the profit and any tax uh, advantages and whatnot.
1: So I get the K1. I get the K1 how do you two questions how do you handle your distributions i'm going to assume that you keep it all in the bank until you know once a year you decide to make distributions or not make distributions i know everyone's different so that's why i'm asking and the other the other thing um i was going to ask about is the way the equity works going into a refinancing because i know that's like what everybody is thinking about um And that's what David and I dream about on this Malibu dream of ours. We have this dream of this Malibu development, post Smoky Mountains development that I'm already currently building on, that we have this dream Malibu, Like, what would the equity splits be? What would it take for us to have to refinance it? How would we make distributions? So we're asking because there's probably tons of people doing developments all over the country, including ourselves in our own dream. And I'm wondering what those little, little teeny tiny details are important and how you did it on these different LLCs and different K ones?
2: Yeah. So the what we do is actually, you're. Well, first of all, you are absolutely right. Everybody does it differently. There's no right and wrong, right? Um, for me, what I'm comfortable with is all of the profit that we have goes towards the mortgages, and we actually will not distribute anything until the mortgages are paid for the year. So let's say, let's say. Oh. By April, you know, like our Scottsdale properties, for instance, Scottsdale and Phoenix, our busiest time of the year is January through April. And we're on average, we're about paying our entire mortgage, you know, for the year, all 12 of our monthly payments off by the end of April. So what will happen is every time we make money, we got profit, boom, make a payment, boom, make a payment, make a payment, make a payment. So by the end of April, what happens is we've got all of our payments made on the mortgage for the year. Well, now we just start profit distributing at the end of every month. Um, and if it's not April, if it's June, if it's August, whatever it might be, that's, that's when smart. we start. Yeah, that's, that's when we start smart. making distributions. And then in January, we start all over again. But we always keep a buffer. Dude, that is a. But we always keep a buffer. A $5,000 buffer stays in the account at all times, unless the mortgage payment is more. If the mortgage payment is more, then it goes up and we round up to the next
0: thousand. Um, but yeah, that's... The- that's the model. That's such a brilliant strategy. I've never heard of any. And I, so i've listened to a million podcasts and we've interviewed a bunch of people i've never heard of somebody having that specific strategy because uh rob uh, abasolo uh, the mentor that's that was part of the mastermind where yoni and i met he's doing that big scottsdale property with uh, david green and he was saying how you know like they, they were cash flow negative for like the first 3 months 4 months something like that because of you know the uh, the seasonality of scottsdale and, but if you're you know starting out or whatever and you're you know in the busier season and you're like thinking oh yeah everything's great start distributing everything and then all of a sudden you hit the slow season and you're like, crap, we're gonna have to like come out of pocket to try and cover these mortgages. If you so you actually like physically pay those actual mortgages to the bank and the bank will yeah. almost prorate those, or you just stack them inside a checking account that it pulls out of? No, i I make the payment. Um, and then what happens is on our on our balance sheet, well, is
2: our balance sheet or a profit and loss? Um our balance sheet then shows prepaid interest. I want to say I'm trying to, it's been a minute since I've looked at it. Um, but I, I want to say our, our balance sheet shows, uh, um, prepaid interest. And yeah, I mean, and, and it's obviously beneficial on the financing side too. Cause when you make that payment, you know, when I make the October payment in April, it's reducing the compounded interest, right? So over the course of time you do this every single year. You're saving. You're going to shave a couple of years off of that that end uh, payment, uh, uh, the the end um, amortization. So it's a nice way. We found it to be to be really nice. Um, it it is comfortable. I'll tell you the the one thing. I I you know knock on wood. In 19 months, we're we're almost to eight properties launched now. We've never made our own, we've never made a mortgage payment out of. We've never had to invest a dollar into
1: a property once it went live. So you're saying you never had to make a capital call in the never. red? We have not. No, that no, is man. that is more impressive to me, because that, that's something nobody would ever admit on a podcast. Like, oh, I got 50 properties. It's like, well, how many times did you make a capital? Call? Did you have to go in the red? I actually low key think this is the biggest flex we've ever had on the pod because it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like real shit. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: I lo- No, I love that. because and, and it's important to me because I'll tell you for, I have a lot of people who, when I'll tell them the structure, they say, why do that way? Why not just distribute monthly and make your investors happy? I'm like, yeah, I'd like to make my investors happy. And you know how I make them happy is by never asking them for money again, you know, not on the same property anyways. And so that to me is, yes. that to me is, it, it's it's the ultimate Level of comfort, and again, I don't know. If there's a right and wrong for any of this, but for me, it's just been a really comfortable method.
0: Yeah, you're you're keeping them happy by not pissing them off by doing a capital yeah. call. I love that, man. That's super cool. Um, and and then it like it, it shows your investors as well that you are uh, being very conservative. Like you're you're putting your uh, the best interest of them and the the business before any sort of like you trying to take any profits for yourself. So that right. just shows them as well up front that, hey, I'm going to be conservative with this and we're going to try it We're going to mitigate as much risk as we can. We're going to make hay while the sun's shining and take all that profit, pump it towards the mortgage. And then after that, then both of us get to take home money. So that, that's brilliant, man. I love that. Yeah, love that. Thank you.
1: So, um, something I'm wondering about. So I, I, I think, um, David, do you feel like we have a little bit of an understanding of structure a little bit? Do you think we had a good amount of questions? Quick. I, I think so too. Yeah. We're going to be, fr- by the way, yeah. we are definitely going to be friends. Just want to say that right off the bat. <laughs> um, well, whatever
2: you're developing in Malibu, it sounds like I'm going to have to come check it out.
1: Yeah. So i uh, I'll talk a little bit about, you. normally we don't talk a lot about what we're doing. We try to spotlight on you, but I feel like it's a good template given your area of expertise. David and I, we were thinking about going to these smaller markets and what we realized, we're like, you know what? If I'm getting development experience through the Smoky Mountains and we're gonna really do this OPM thing, we were just talking about this earlier today, why not really go for something that's a big dream that we wanna do anyway? Who knows how long it takes to get the building permits anyway? We found out it takes two years in a good scenario over there, <laughs> so we're like, listen. And so going into this, I didn't, I didn't know how much or how much, how little I was gonna. We were gonna talk about Malibu, but it's a good template for us to use for the audience, whether it's Malibu, Cleveland, Detroit, Florida, whether the building permit takes a week or, you know, well, Tennessee, literally in my area, it's a week. But but it's a good to understand from somebody who went from putting his money into a deal and then doing OPM is great. Using a template, so um, that that's why I'm bringing it up, and that's and that's our dream. And hopefully, we go from podcasting to having a great weekend retreat, and you can come.
2: <laughs> Love that. I'm in, man. I'm all about it, man. I, I you know, the, the masterminds, being around people, talking the stuff. I mean, this is this is where growth happens. I mean, bottom line. I mean, I you know, I don't. Yeah, you know, I've heard you say a couple times. I might be a little bit further along in my journey. Tell you what. Sometimes that means I've got the blinders on and I don't see what's new in the industry too. And there's always something I can learn from anybody.
1: Well, listen, everyone's listening. This is how a bromance happens. Have you ever seen Step Brothers, guys? <laughs> cue that, cue Boom. that scene. Did we just become best friends? Yup. So, <laughs> so we're gonna have uh, the
0: Malibu Mastermind before too long. Love that. Love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I we'll we'll talk more offline. So I I the the the, fir- the next question that comes to my mind, now that I understand your philosophy on distributions, your story on how you got started, the relationship with your wife, like really beautiful, unique stuff. And low-key, I'm gonna bring this up, not having to go in the red and do a capital call. I think that's really cool. Um, but Tell me a little bit about your vision going into the next two years. Like, what what do you want to do? What do you want to get involved in? Obviously, you just mentioned you want to talk to other people, and make sure you don't have any blind spots. But like, before this conversation, and even during this conversation, like, what what's on your vision board? What's in your affirmations? Like, yeah. what do you what do you now? You know ours, but like, what 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 are the things you dream about for your wife, for your family? You seem very family driven. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm also a Middle Eastern and very family driven as well. So um I'm sure we're probably cousins in a lot of ways. So uh I was just wondering what what makes you excited the way you were excited when you first did that first deal going into the next well, year.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So I mean I could tell you, I mean, so so fiscally, financially, my goal is really simple: $50 million real estate portfolio on the short-term rental side, and then make a make an exit to private equity. Marriott Bonvoy, whoever you know, whoever it is that I can find, get vertically integrated, own my cleaning teams, own my property management, just be able to make one big exit. Right, um, the numbers work out really nicely. There's a premium that you can sell based on EBITDA, based on based on the gross revenues, all of this. And why that makes me excited is so I left corporate where I was a 21-year banker, had a had a nice career, you know, and, and I was, you know, on my on a path had I continued, I would continue to grow in my career. But, you know, guys, my kids are eight, seven, and four. And you would ask me my favorite thing to do in life, and it's be a dad. It's pretty simple. And I want to spend all my time with my kids. That's fun for me. And so if I were ever able to well, first of all, if I do, if I'm not successful in making that exit, that's great because then I'm running a 50 million dollar real estate portfolio. But if I am able to make that exit, then I start all over again in a very niche market. And you know, I have a couple ideas as to how I would do it, um, but I would do it with my kids. Um, we are we are planning and starting our own family mastermind because our kids always ask us why we're leaving. And, you know, why I go mastermind, why my wife goes in masterminds. And so we want to start a family mastermind. And they've already got a name for it, core values for it, all of that. So if you, you know, my financial goals are A, but my real reason, my why is I want to make, be able to give my time to my kids so that we can make an impact together and help others get entrepreneurial and get into real estate. I think, you know, forgive me, but I think it's a fucking crime that real estate is not taught in schools at sixth grade. I think it's a damn shame. I think it's, um, by design I can, yes, by design. And I can, you know, I can go down that path. I won't do it right now because I mean, I can, I can do this for a while, but, um, bottom line is I want, you know, we can't solve the world's problems, but I want to take a big punch at it. I want to, I want to get our kids into it. And I want to, I want to get other kids into it as
0: well. That's amazing. That's
1: amazing. Um, That's amazing, man. Yeah. I,
0: I, I love that idea. Thanks. Because I, yeah, I think that, uh, like what, like what you said, I mean, we can touch on it a little bit like it is absolutely insane that literally no point in any sort of schooling for 12 years. Do they teach you anything about any sort of financial literacy? It's madness. And so the fact that you guys are already teaching your kids that and I'm excited, I don't have any kids yet. My wife and I both, you know, whatever we do, we're talking about, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like, how are we going to raise them? Because my parents were both blue collar workers. So were hers. And like, there just wasn't any talk about finances. You know, it was just kind of a taboo thing and especially living in the Midwest, you just didn't talk about it about it. So now, you know, thinking about how are you going to move forward with that? And then uh, actually I was listening to a podcast the other day, Brandon Turner's new podcast, where he's talking about like the the transfer to your children. Like, uh, you know, everybody always says, what do you want to pass on to your children? And, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you don't want to just hand over the $50 million uh, portfolio and say, here, go crazy with it and blow all of it and, you know, make a mess. So like, what is, what is the ultimate goal uh, with the mastermind of like what you're hoping to achieve with the kids? If you don't mind sharing.
2: Yeah, I mean, just ultimately taking control of their own path, right? I mean, I don't think humans are... I, I loved... like my job in banking was freaking amazing. I'll tell you guys, 80% of my time was spent with the C-suite of other banks on golf courses and in sports stadiums, right? Like, I had a really, really cool job. But the more I realized and the more I got into it, human beings, we're, were animals. At our core, we're animals. And we're not made to just sit in cages. We're not made to sit in offices and be told what to do how to do when to do right if i want to go to my kids soccer game i shouldn't have to ask to go i could just get up and go if i want to go somewhere i should just be able to get up and go if i want to do whatever I want to, you know if i you know whenever i i wake up more tired sometimes than others i shouldn't have to start working yet if i don't feel like working yet right i just think that that's human well, nature. you want to work
1: out you want to work out at 11 a.m you can
2: Do whatever you want to do. Right. Um, And and so my goal is to pass along the mindset of take control of your own time. I think with real estate, you can do that. And through a mastermind, we can teach how to do that. That's that's the goal. So the mastermind we're starting, um, it's not just for adults. It will be for kids ages five and up. So adults start. You got kids that are five and six. You bring your kids and and the first meeting, they might absorb six percent of whatever we talk about. Second meeting might absorb 11%, then 17% and so on. But the goal is by the time that kid is 14, 15, 16, they know how to underwrite deals. They know how to search deals. They know how to invest. And they're no longer concerned about how do I go get $150,000 in debt in college so I can go get a $40,000 job. It's how do I go just
1: make some money and, and get invested in real estate right away. And they can do that. I I love that, blood. and I'll I'll tell you something. Anytime you have, if you have any new masterminds that David and I should join, just let us know. My man,
0: love that one hundred percent.
1: I'll keep you guys posted on ours. That's awesome. For for real, No, for real, because this David and I is a is a mastermind relationship. So mastermind oh, cool. relationship. So we, we you guys, what, what mastermind do you guys meet? We, we were in uh in Ra Rabbi Ra, Basola's host camp. Uh, oh, cool community. And that, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's a classic, classic mastermind. It's not operated that way, but it has, it has the community aspect to it for sure. And that's how we met. So we, we believe in these, these things. And obviously I've read Think and Grow Rich, and we're going to ask you about your books and all that and the subconscious mind and all. I'm sure you're into that too, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you, if you get a a mastermind up and running, I would 100% run to it because I think it would be incredible. Amazing. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll kind of, uh, uh, move on just a little bit here. So, uh, we have a, a list of questions that we like, cause I mean, we just, we burned through like 45 minutes in no time because we were, we were kicking it. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the questions that I really like to ask people is what was the favorite deal that you have gotten done in the past so far? So was it the very first one? Cause that was the sweetheart that got everything started or was it something along the way? Which was your favorite?
2: Yeah, I would say, I would say it was probably, You know, my favorite one is probably um, it was my fifth, my fifth one. And I'll tell you why. So uh, my attorney, um, who's not my wife, by the way, um, although my wife is an attorney, um, we do it deliberately where we have an attorney that does it. and My wife just reviews everything. And it's it's to keep some checks and balances in place. Um, So my attorney was, um, you know, writing up our operating agreement as I was preparing to go mass on the raising other people's money and Mm -hmm. so i have a template operating agreement and so she wrote it up and i reviewed it and i said to her i said you know reviewing this i could raise their money close on a deal tomorrow and then sell the house the next day get my 50 percent, and that investor is screwed and she said yeah technically you could i said well that's not good we need to put some language in there to protect my investor and she said well why don't we just leave it the way it is Mm -hmm. and have your investor negotiate that in on the terms I said, why don't we not and just go ahead and protect them proactively and do it and get it done the right way. So she got it done. She edited it the way I wanted it. Two weeks goes by. She calls me, introduces me to her dad over lunch, and her dad does a deal with me because they saw the integrity. They saw the character. They saw the where my head was at and that you know, no matter what, I'm always going to do right by people. My investors are the most important thing to me. And so that's probably my favorite deal just because of how 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 far i go out of my way to keep my integrity always really high and it was obviously very well rewarded and, and noticed in that scenario
1: that's a beautiful story yeah.
0: next man that is that's amazing man because a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't really think about that and a lot of people especially if their wife is telling them like no just keep it in there why not you know, they would be like, "All right, screw it, let's just do that." But that, that really does speak highly to, uh, of your character and the way that you want to keep, you know, take care of your investors because that's the most important thing. You know, okay. uh, I've heard from multiple people that are like, "Okay, if an investor gives you one dollar, you need to treat it like it's five of your own dollars to make sure that you're, you know, keeping yourself in check and being conservative with it." So, sure. uh, if you don't mind, I mean, we keep talking about other people's money, you know, but it's it's such a great topic and there's so many people that want to learn more about it. Do you mind sharing a little bit of how you guys structured that to make sure you were protecting your uh, investors?
2: Yeah, I mean it was it, it, you know just similar to what we said earlier. Oh, so how did how did I structure protecting them? So the the ultimately what I did yeah. is I set milestones as to when my equity actually vests, right? And so mm-hmm. they we have to either have four years have, have had to elapse, or um, if they receive their money, their full investment back sooner, then we're good to go. Otherwise, if we're gonna make any decisions on sales. Then we make those decisions and my my share is pro is, is is prorated to what I've earned at that point and how much is vested at that point. So, so uh, prorated it, at so the amount it, that you give so, earned So, so the and... two the two key milestones there are a either the investor has to get all their money back before before I'm total 50%, or four years has to have elapsed and then and my fifty my fifty percent is fully in in,
0: in tow there. Gotcha. And so is that 50% past what the in- investor's initial... So let's say that they put $200,000 into the deal, but you guys are going to sell it two years down the road and make four hundred. dollars So they get their two hundred dollars back and, and then, then you'd split the remaining so, two hundred. dollars So you get $100,000, so, he gets $100,000? You know, or how so is what that? Happen- what happens is we count on the rental income
2: to pay them back, right? So let's say they put 200000 in. Once we make $400,000... It You know, in, in profit, then 200,000 of that is going to be theirs because we're 50-50 on a profit. So they'll have that 200,000. They'll be whole. And my I'm now 50%. My 50% not fully fully in, in place. Um, otherwise, if four years has elapsed and we're still a little short, I still get to 50% because I've done four years worth of work there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I love that, man. Yeah. This is like, like masterclass on private money. This is phenomenal. So, um, amazing. I'll send my invoice. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, next question that we like to ask people is, do you have a, an expert that's in your niche? Could have been somebody that was a mentor in the mastermind or like, you know, somebody that's in the uh, the social media world of like, you know, the Brandon Turner's, the Rob Abasolo's, whatever a, a expert in your niche that you've looked up to that you think is a good person for other people to learn from if they're wanting to get into what you're into. No doubt about it. Stephen Petaskey, Stephen with a P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N.
2: Um, Stephen Peteski is a, a gentleman that that we're in a mastermind together as well, and he's just he's just an incredible human. He started off in the short term rental space. Um, he no longer does short term rentals. All of his is now private um, private club access. His investors only can use his, his properties. But he's got stuff like Lady Gaga and and you know I mean just just big time celebrities. He's got villas on the top of hills in tuscany italy i mean he's got dream homes that that you know we all want in our portfolio one day so that's the guy though stephen petoski just an incredible human being and um you know great at what he does as well so
1: how do we how do we get him on with all four of us on a recording i will um uh, <laughs> how do we do a part two you. with you and him and we'll jam
0: i got you <laughs> What a what a we were talking about flexing before, but I mean what a flex like oh I'm gonna take my short term rentals off of the platform because I don't need it anymore. I'm just only gonna let my investors and you know some high level people play around in my properties. Like that's that's a flex right there. It's peace mode. <laughs> I,
1: I I we didn't get into what made you leave the corporate world and what made Steven start his journey, but that is something that you know what I will ask. We're gonna swap a question. I wanna know why you did that. Because I, Uh, the reason why I know my why I had a big life elbow in the, in the nose and the mouth and in the legs that made me leave. I had a, we had a big, I had a big family business was around a hundred years in Cleveland and we, and I had to leave, I had to leave. It was, it was, it was leaving this earth. So I didn't really have a choice. So I had to create options and I started Airbnb and I fell in love. Mm. I'm just curious and I, and I kicking myself that I didn't ask you this at the beginning, but what, got you moving and you don't have to share Steven's like it's it's real simple
2: it's my kids man I mean I you know I was I was traveling 15 weeks out of the year and we had our third kid my baby daughter and uh, this was in 2019 and I just knew that I didn't want to be gone anymore I just didn't need to be my wife was making great money then I could I could get I could get risky at the time and and if I flopped as an entrepreneur I always knew I could go back to banking because I had a great career and great reputation so I gave my boss a nine month notice and um and and transitioned did things the right way helped hire my successor transitioned all of our projects our clients our territories everything and then I got off the streets I uh, had a coffee I started a coffee shop with a kids play place here so I could take my kids to work with me. And, uh, and you know, that, um, that was going fine until COVID hit, had some long, had a long-term rental in the meantime, didn't like that. Nothing sexy about that at all. So exited the long-term rental, closed the shop during COVID, got into long-term rentals for all the reasons I told you guys earlier and the rest is history. And now I'm traveling even more than I used to.
1: <laughs> but, you're, but, you're, but, you're, but you're doing it for you.
2: I'm doing it for me. And actually I involve my kids in it quite a bit. I take them with me when I can, um, and typically when I travel, I mean, I'm 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 very efficient with my travel. I'm able most of the time I can get in in the morning and fly back on the red eye, so I'm not really missing much time with them.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. Like, that, that, the, literally that, the, yeah. the definition of the, the entrepreneurial family man that's actually doing it not just to build a huge business and make a crap load of money and neglect his kids. You're doing it because you want to be around your children, which oh, is yeah. I think how a lot more people need to how, a lot more people need to think. And I think there are a lot of people in the real estate world that are more like that as to just, you know, entrepreneurialism in general, to where it's like I'm starting this business, you know, eighty hours a week, grinding right. away, trying to make a billion dollar company, whatever. Um, like a lot more people get into the real estate game because I think they want to do exactly what you're doing, man. So I think people are going to get a lot of inspiration out of that. Love that. Thank you.
1: You seem like a very thoughtful guy. I I would say um, out of all our guests, I feel like we're vibing with you the most. You know, it's our job to ask questions for the audience that I feel like we're getting along. I feel like I'm hanging out with you and I'm really enjoying it. Um, When I saw your bookshelf at the beginning, I'm like, I got to, I got to, I, I, I'm a machine. Reader, like I read every day, no matter what, ten confident. pages a day. Um, tell me a little bit about those books, and tell me maybe pull off the your favorite one if you want. I okay, mean, not there, but I'm just curious.
2: My favorite one, I mean, it's 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 easy and it's cliche, but it's just simply rich dad poor dad, right? I mean, this is where it starts for anybody that hasn't read Robert Kiyosaki books. This is where real estate journey starts. I mean Rich Dad Poor Dad um and and specifically for me this is the the first this is the 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 the, the intro version Rich Dad Poor Dad. If you read the cash the, the cash flow quadrants um that to me that version that book really kind of breaks down all the different ways to make money. And I find that one to um to really that was the one that I will say, kind of, kind of, really kicked my head into gear and helped me understand. I think we all knew it. I think you all know how to make money, all the different paths to make money, but you really don't put things in perspective and really, um, you know, turn the ignition on sometimes. And and that's what that book really helped me do. So I mean, just just cliche. It's Robert Kiyosaki. I'm a big fan of it's. Right there, I think is unreasonable hospitality. Unreasonable hospitality is a big one. It's how I live my life um, in, our fa- in our in our in 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 our faith, in our culture, in our in our openness and door. You know, my house is your house any time of the week. My shirt is your shirt. All that, but now I run my business that way, and I think that 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 just trickles. Uh, it, it just leaves a rippling effect with our guests.
1: So, so the the Abrahamic way. Um, so. That- um, I'm not going to let you off the hook, though. What are those footballs underneath those books? Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, come on now.
2: We ain't letting you off the hook. So, this guy right here, this is Walter Payton, autographed Walter Payton. This is autographed Dan mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm not diehard either one of those. They're just collectibles that I have. I'm a diehard Buckeye. My wife is a Wolverine. And then. Uh, no
1: way. That's great. <laughs> that's great. This is an autographed Nick Saban football. Uh, no, that's cool. Is, that's dope. That's
2: very is. Dope. it's actually personalized to me. It says two. That's points. very uh-huh.
1: dope. All um, right. Did <laughs> is this like is this like rewards for for, for cash flow and being a highly ethical uh steward of OPM? What's,
2: uh no, this is just the nut job sports fan in me that that grew up. I actually haven't <laughs> gotten anything recently. These are all kind of older. Um, but i I, I collect i I'm, I'm a I have a really good sports collection. I've got a huge tub of Michael Jordan cards and autographed stuff. And dude, are you joking?
1: Yeah. Are you a basketball fan first or football fan first? Tell the truth.
2: you know i'm a I'm a Buckeye. I'm a Buckeye football fan first, and then basketball second.
1: So all right, so um, I can't speak for football. my fa- first of all, um just so you know, my dad went to Michigan. My sister went to Iowa State, so we have that dual. Amazing, dual-ality. amazing. I went to University of Miami, <laughs> so I'm off the reservation. But um, that that that's I'm a basketball guy. I'm a huge MJ Kobe guy. Huge yeah. MJ Kobe guy. Either yeah. one, because they're father son. So no, you know, no doubt,
2: no doubt. You know. Actually, I shared a I shared a Kobe reel this morning. I mean, I I'm a I, I am. I, mean, I grew up on Jordan. Huge Jordan dude. Um, I actually had given up on the NBA for a long time just because of how soft it got, how bad, how, how crooked the referee I, got. I, all I still that. give
1: it up. I it's up. Well,
2: my kids, <laughs> my, my boys are eight and seven, they're addicted now. And so it's actually got me loving it again for all different reasons this time. Um, but uh I'll tell you, I'm really rooting like hell for the Suns because if they the further they go in the playoffs, the higher I can jack my rates up. So
1: <laughs> yeah, but but, we'll, but hold on. We have a we have a Buckeye team in the playoffs too. We got Cleveland Cavs. We I'm do. Gonna you, I'm going to get you to pay attention to them a little bit. Yeah, you do. A little bit of love, good vibes.
2: My, I'll tell you, my my son is a big Cavaliers fan actually, so that works out.
1: That's a that's a good. that's a. We'll have to meet up in Cleveland, not in the winter time. Yeah, no uh, doubt about that um okay what's it called? if checked. he's
0: in detroit he's he's used to the weather man he, yeah, he'd be yeah. all right with it yoni's the one that's down in florida he's not handling the cold i i moved i moved because i was like at a certain
1: point i was like you know what i look i you know what it's very easy to look middle eastern when the sun is shining all the time i'll tell you that you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's, but, also, uh, that's awesome but um anyway so really quick so okay so i i um what i'm curious about we 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 sort of wrap up with these personal questions but we're getting along so well that we're we're getting all over the place so for the audience Love listening it. this is this is authentic vibing um, so you told us a little bit about the book i think that's really helpful and i think the listeners should know that i think reading is a very um important way to to get out of to to evolve um, but something i'm wondering is are there any challenges that you're facing now at your current scale because you're you're beyond the corporate escaping to going independent. You've you've gone independent. Is there a a challenge? Um and also where can people find more about you? Obviously, we're gonna do collabs which we chop these episodes up into small little pieces and we're gonna do that over the, the coming week. But yeah. um where can they find out more about you if the people listening to the long form um where can they where can they get that?
2: Love that. The easiest way to find me is Instagram. It's my name, F-O-U-A-D-B-A-Z-Z-I underscore Airbnb. Um, I know I got to shorten that up, but that's what it is today, guys. Deal with it. Um, but, uh, but that's that, um, as far as there was a, there was
0: another part of that question you asked me. Um, what did you ask me? How could people, if, if anybody's listening right now, that how could they help you in your business? If you got any challenges that you're currently Uh, working through,
2: you know, the one thing that I'm, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's already an identified challenge. It's really, I'm, 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 I'm. I'm almost ready to bring on somebody full time, um, but I but I but I'm not quite there yet. And I'm not talking about a VA. I'm talking about somebody that's local, somebody that can really take over operation for me, um, so that I can 100% focus on just relationships and capital. Um, so, for instance, right now we've got one that we just closed that I'm I'm in the middle of design and theming and all that, and then another one that we're that we're working on getting closed in 30 days. And so a lot of my time now shifts to that, which then takes my time away from still going and nurturing more and more investor money and finding more deals for those investors because I have other investors that are ready to go and committed. But I really have to put a lot of my time into these two launches. So I'm not quite big enough yet to handle, to hire out the the launch. Um, But I'd say I'm probably five or six homes away from that. So I, I see a clear path to it. But I'd say right now my challenge is just It's just simply, I wish there was more time in the day. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So uh, uh, I want to, yeah, I want to dig into that a little bit. I know that we were kind of wrapping up, but that's, that's such an important part. Like instead of, you know, always working in your business, you're wanting to work more on your business and try and work yourself out of a job essentially. And so that's something that, you know, a lot of people that's uh, that's a problem, you know, far into the future, they don't even think about, but what's a way that, you know, you've been kind of like, um, uh, putting or leaving breadcrumbs behind, or something, to where you're making sure that you're working towards that goal, and making sure that you're working to in a way that you can step away from the business, and the business still survives without you.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the good thing is stepping away from the business will be easy because the day to day stuff I've already farmed out. It's the ongoing facilities maintenance, launch, and all of that. And I've actually already started interviewing my my candidates without them knowing that I'm interviewing them. Um, So I'm building a relationship with the people that I think would be really, really good fits. And they have no idea why Um, I'm I've I've been wanting to spend so much time and get close with them recently. But it's you know, I always found it's better to get to know somebody without that pressure, because when you do that, you know, the minute you introduce the possibility of it. Right. It's they get nervous and now they got to try to hope and fit and all that other stuff. But when I'm just getting to know you to get to know you, I'm going to know everything I need to know. And so I've got a couple of candidates there and. Um, you know, I, I'm a very proactive individual, right? So I, I see things forward. And so the more, the more proactive you can be, and at least reactive, you can be the more clearly you can make decisions and the easier it is going to be to move forward. So,
1: um, so I think we have to, we're going to wrap in a second, but yeah. I just want to say one thing and the audience is going to hear it. Um, definitely DM me your number. Cause I want to talk to you after this, we are going to be, we're going to step brothers this thing love that recorded I love uh, it <laughs> i I just love your your energy your energy and your 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 what you're about your ethical hustler midwest Airbnb middle east welcoming good husband good father like this is like what everybody should be so love that um i think you're you got,
0: you got yoni swooning over there i love it hey, I, 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 you? you know man I, <laughs> it,
1: listen man it's it's
2: you know i i always tell everybody you know i i uh you know, we talk about you know who we are our faith all that stuff right like i you know i'm 99 of the the reason i am the faith i am is because of who i was born into probably the same for you guys Probably the same for 99 of the people out there in the world and I think at its core, essentially, you got to be good people, and if you're good, then relationships like this start no matter what, endlessly. And so, if, if anything, if that's if that's what you're taking away from from this hour with me, I'm grateful because that's that's all I can ever hope for.
1: Amazing, amazing. Well, you heard it. That was that's a beautiful way to end it. What <laughs> for real? Um, awesome, really awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, David, awesome. I think I, I, I really enjoyed this and uh hopefully you'll come on again.
2: Well, I will. I'm I'm gonna bring my friend next time too. Appreciate oh, yeah. you guys. Thank cool. you so much. God bless.